Folks, I want to welcome you all to On the Edge with K.A. Owens. I'm K.A. Owens, and we are broadcasting from the top of the Hapron Building in Louisville, Kentucky. This is WFMP-LP Louisville, 106.5 FM. If you go to forwardradio.org, you can find out more about our station. And also, we're live streaming now, so you can listen to us anywhere in the city, anywhere in the state, anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world. So folks, uh, uh, we're blessed and favored to have Angeline Rudd with us here today. Angeline Rudd is a longtime activist on a variety of issues that are important to people. And also she's a, a, a teacher. Uh, she's uh, traveled to how many countries? 65. An- Angeline Kirk. It's only been 20 years. Okay, Angeline. <laughs> so, uh, all right. <laughs> Maybe I just like the other pronunciation. You know what? I'll run with it. I Angeline, just not the one on the billboards. <laughs> so uh, say it correctly, Angeline. Angeline. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, one of the things that she's uh, issues that she's uh, concerned about and interested in today, uh, this is uh, – the fall of 2022, that's when we're doing this, this show, uh, Thursday, October 27th, uh, right before the November 8th election. And we've got two ballot amendments uh, that people will be voting on, uh, amendments to the Kentucky Constitution. Uh, both and the feelings of a lot of people are, are, are uh, uh, not moving our state forward. One is, uh, amendment one is... Uh, change the Constitution to allow the General Assembly to call itself in the, in the session whenever it wants to, designed to uh, usurp, uh, usurp the power of the governor and, and, and weaken the governor's office. And two is to say that uh, uh, the Constitution cannot be interpreted to give women the right to an abortion. abortion. So you're, one of the issues that you're fighting on is, uh, is two. So tell us about Two, why two, uh, what about two? What about two? Just remember no for November. Both amendments should be a hardcore no. And the verbiage is incredibly misleading on the ballot, so just put no for both of those. So the the abortion amendment is, and they worded it very, um, very poorly, is there were several lawsuits challenging the Roe v. Wade. There was a trigger law that went into effect once the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. So now it's you can't have an abortion in Kentucky. And there's a lot of lawsuits challenging it. So you can now until they settle those lawsuits. And once you, if this thing passes, all those lawsuits are immediately dead. You are not to have an abortion. But what if you, if we do say no on the amendment. It's not saying that we we are going to win those lawsuits. It's just going to allow to con- have them continue through their due process. So the, unfortunately, voting no is not the end-all be-all, but it, is, it allows us to continue the fight. So, um, you know, luckily enough, according to the polls, the majority of people in the state of Kentucky actually support a woman's right to choose. Over 60%. I was at an event and they said that 70 out of the 123 counties in Kentucky do not have an OBGYN. That's horrifying uh, as well. That's another uh, reason for a uh, uh, single payer um, because the capitalist model is killing the small town and rural hospitals. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
just limiting the amount of medical care that folks in the small town and rural areas can have access to. So uh, that's a huge problem. So, uh, so the question seems to be uh, motivating, inspiring people to vote, making sure that the people who feel uh, a certain way are registered to vote. So the question would seem to be, uh, as they say, uh, uh, voter engagement and mobilization. Well, I definitely want to talk more about that too. But just some key points when you want to, when you, if you know you're going to vote no and you want to share that with other people, one thing is to remember the accreditation of our medical schools at our universities. If they can't, they won't, they won't bring students in because they won't be able to to educate them on on abortions, on even like miscarriages sometimes, you're gonna, rumor has it, you would eventually have to prove that you had a miscarriage instead of taking some sort of pill or something to abort your baby. Like there, this could be a huge step in our, in our privacy being taken away. There's so many different angles of this, how this is going to detriment Kentucky. People aren't gonna wanna come here knowing how backwards we're turning. Um, what else? The Besides proving that you ha are going to have to have a miscarriage or that you had a miscarriage, um, the accreditation of the schools, think about like contraception. That could also be construed as an abortion or, or preventing a baby from being born. And so I do feel like they're going to they're going to tap into that just basic contraception as well. Um, what else? What have you heard? Kirk about other reasons to definitely vote no. Well, uh, you know the idea of having government uh, uh, infringe of, uh, upon uh, civil rights instead of supporting civil rights really takes the country backwards. And the idea of having uh, fifty states in each and every one deciding whether or not uh, uh, a woman has uh, control over her own body, over her own reproductive system, doesn't seem uh, quite right to me. And uh, I don't think the Constitution uh, was designed to be interpreted that way. I think the Supreme Court has just uh, misinterpreted uh, uh, the Constitution in a very right. fundamental way. Uh, it takes the country backward, and also it sort of opens the door. I mean, this whole sort of states' rights theory, uh, oh, each and every state can have its, uh, not on uh, fundamental civil rights. No, each and every state doesn't have uh, the right to impose or, or infringe on individuals' uh, civil rights. No, it does not. Right. And so uh, that's what we're talking about uh, uh, uh it's, it takes the country backwards. That is, it's the first time that I know of where the Supreme Court uh, uh, has uh, uh, undone a civil right uh, and is trying to move the country backwards to the 1950s, which is a place that nobody in their right mind would want to go. Right. That That's very true. Um, it's it's an, it's. It's unfathomable. I like. I don't feel like it was on anyone's radar what the Supreme Court was getting ready to do, and that they they could and they did. It's it just seems like we're in some sort of dream state right now. 
Uh, so, yeah. And then we, I mean, it's obvious this is a religious issue. It's not like an average person would want to control another person's body. This is based on religion. And we do have a separation of church and state that just seems to be completely ignored these days. So, I mean, based on that premise alone, this shouldn't be happening right now. Yes. Uh, the idea that one interpretation of a holy book should be placed into law is very dangerous for our country and not what the founding fathers wanted. The truth is the founding fathers were horrified by the religious wars of Europe uh, and they did not want that for the United States. Unfortunately, they, they supported slavery, but uh, they did not <laughs> right. want uh, 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 religious warfare. They did not want uh, warfare between different sects of Christianity or any other religion. Uh, it's not something that they were interested in and they they wrote the Constitution of Bill of Rights to prevent that. And so folks who are, you know, who uh, believe in white Christian nationalism, uh, that is not what the, the founding fathers had in mind at all. Exactly. Exactly. And then you were bringing up the point of the community and mm -hmm. and what we can do to work together to to help mm -hmm. to help get out the vote and help create change in Kentucky. And, you know, Kirk and I, I was talking to a dear friend about that last night. I just wondering how we've slipped so far back and are we still united? Like when, when we first started in the activist world, I mean, I guess for me it was in the 1990s, I felt like, I felt like our issues were so connected. We had fairness, we had the Kentucky Lions, NAACP, the International Solidarity for Sooth, FOR, like we were so kitlack. We were just so connected. When one person's issue was challenged, the entire social justice community would get together and behind it. And, you know, we had Ann Braden and Lewis Coleman and, of course, Maddie Jones and Blaine Hudson and all of these incredible leaders and our mentors. And do we have that now? I just feel like the young, I some are motivated and there's some that I don't know. Tell me, like, have you seen a sense of apathy? Well, here's the thing. I think if you look at uh, uh, right before the pandemic got going, we saw a tremendous upsurge in youth activism around climate change, the, sun, the Sunrise Movement. Mm -hmm. So fantastic. Uh, and we have that here in Louisville. We have youth working on the Sunrise. Very impressive. Good. And then uh, if you look on the police reform uh, you know, uh, section of activism, you know, we've had groups of young people develop around uh, Trayvon Martin, uh, uh, Brianna, uh, Taylor, yes, and George Floyd. So th these groups of young people, well, young and not so young people come in uh, around an issue and they develop. Mm -hmm. And so the question is how to keep folks involved after the, the you know uh, the heat of the moment and some of the the young people from Breonna Taylor uh, have uh, uh, you know become political organizers and working on campaigns so on and so forth or getting involved in nonprofit work or just staying involved and going back to their regular professions or, or av avocations so there are uh, young and unfortunately some have committed suicide and passed on some uh, are have uh, been the victim of uh, of homicide so some of the people who came to the forefront during the Breonna Taylor have either committed suicide or become the victim of uh, uh, of, of homicide so wow. so 
uh, uh, I mean, you know, funerals are sort of a standard uh, staple in uh, in, in uh, my life. Uh, I, uh, I was talking to somebody who, a longtime uh, member of the uh, Human Relations Commission, and he said, uh, "You know, we used to see everybody at the at the club. Now we see them at the funeral home." Oh no! You know what? That is kind of true. That's happened to me a few times here this this year. It does seem like there's a lot more death than before. I, I thought maybe it's because we're getting older, and that just kind of happens as we get older. But I feel like there is a lot more to that. Well, and uh, and how people. I mean. Uh, but we are talking about mental health. We are talking about suicide. We're, we're uh, at least it's a topic mm -hmm. uh, that is, and how people uh, deal with stress. You know, once upon a time, the suicide rate in the black community was much, much lower than the white community. It was almost, uh, see if I can pronounce this word, infinitesimal. Uh, wow. And so the old black folks said, uh, you can't jump out of a basement. That was the, because. Oh, that's interesting. Because, uh, you know, black folks were used to suffering and enduring. Uh, 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 I mean, if you live in a world where you can be whipped any by, by whim, you can be uh, raped. Uh, and, and on the plantation, uh, uh, um, everybody doesn't talk about it. Uh, the black men were raped as well, oh, gosh. And, and the black youth were raped as well. It wasn't just black women who were raped on the plantation. Uh. Plantation. So you gotta gotta re, re, remember that. Uh, uh, so when you come from that, uh, uh, you, that is, uh, a lot of people commit suicide, at least in white world, when they lose things that they had. That is, you know, during the Depression, you know, rich white people lost their money and jumped off the top of the building and all, all, the, all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, there were studies that showed that once upon a time, black male self-esteem in high school was higher than white males. Wow. Because, you know, white male self-esteem in high school is based on, you know, whether or not you've got a car or whether or not you're dating a cheerleader or whether or not you're in the National Honor Society or, you know, whether or not you get to be captain of the football team or whatever. But black male self-esteem traditionally was based on how you related to your parents, your friends and the people in the neighborhood. It wasn't based on what you had. You know, so uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not one to challenge it because mm -hmm. I, I have no idea, but I feel like both sides are severely impacted by their parental relationships and their community and bullying and you know I feel like black and white but I hear what you're saying I'm too. talking about years ago in the past there were studies oh, that showed that interesting so that was what the study showed now, I see what you're saying about like now, the survival instinct now black suicide rates are creeping up and mm -hmm. I and in my personal theory is that why black youth suicide rate and black suicide rate is creeping up because uh, white suicide rate used to be here and the black suicide rate used to be here, right? And so if the black suicide rate is creeping up, my theory is that it's become black folks are starting to think more like white people and measure themselves by what it is they have, you know, whether they've got the right clothes, the right car, or this and that. Uh, well, I have absolutely zero knowledge based on any of this topic. What <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking no about. Idea. So what I'm talking it's about. Uh, what people are going through. Uh, right. Now, as far as the movement, uh, 
if you notice, uh, people are organizing where they are since, uh, oh, by the way, bar a quote from Josh, Josh Poe. Of course, he says that uh, uh, Louisville doesn't have a, a service economy, doesn't have a manufacturing economy. It has a developer economy. But along with the, uh, uh, the service econ economy, uh, there are all these coffee, sh coffee shops everywhere. Because I remember when there were no coffee shops, now there's a coffee shop everywhere. The people who work in the coffee shops are organizing into unions. You notice that? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I remember when there was no Amazon, right? Of course, I know that makes me old, but I remember there are no coffee shops and no Amazon. So the, the workers uh, at uh, the coffee shops, Starbucks, Amazon, they're organizing unions. So people are organizing where they are. I mean, that's where the jobs are, you know. So they say, hey, I don't like how I'm being treated. Uh, I, I don't like the salary. I don't like, uh, uh, you know, uh, of course, you know, you've got a lot of people. It's funny who's doing the organizing. I mean, there are people with like PhDs and philosophies working at the Starbucks, but, uh, uh, you know, but uh, uh, it's, a, it's a little different. But uh, 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 so, I mean, those things are all positive. And, of course, the fairness campaign, if you look at the fairness campaign in a state like Kentucky, the success that it's had, Knockwood, and getting fairness ordinances passed in, out, out in the small towns outside of Louisville and Lexington, fantastic, in spite of, uh, uh, you know, Republican registration uh, finally, uh, uh, you know, surpassing Democratic registration in Kentucky. So that's amazing. So... I mean, even Kentucky, if things are handled correctly, uh, can do some really impressive things. And if you look at the people who organized in Kentucky around Breonna Taylor, uh, uh, I mean, without the people out in the street, the family would not have gotten the $12 million. There would have been no uh, ban on no knock warrants. Uh, that wouldn't have been a final establishment of, uh, 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 of civilian review of police again, but uh, uh, and so on and so forth, right? Without the people out in the streets jumping up and down. And yes, a few windows got broken, but all the windows have been fixed. Louisville is fine. Uh, uh, but as Hannah Drake says, uh, 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 who's going to fix Tamika, Tamika Palmer, who was uh, Brianna's mother, you know? Mm -hmm. So the windows have been fixed, right? Oh, oh by the way, uh, 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 the leaders of the Kentucky legislature seem to think Louisville has been destroyed. I'm looking at the eighth, uh, eighth floor window of uh, the Haver building. Louisville doesn't look destroyed to me. Uh, Louisville is fine. I think that the small town and rural legislators, they're very confused. They see blacks and white allies standing up for their rights, and they interpret that as destruction, as unrest. No, uh, Louisville looked, Louisville impressed the world by standing up for Breonna Taylor. Uh, Louisville's reputation didn't go down, it went up. And the small town and rural folks don't get it. Louisville's rep went up, not down. So Angelina, uh, uh, t tell us about yourself. Are you still uh, traveling? I am. I am. Well, more about like the social justice work. You and I were part of a movement in the earlier days here in Louisville that to me, it shaped everything that I am. And I feel like because there are there's so many mental health issues right now with COVID, with connection, with with just a lack of 
you know, climate change, just like this lack of belief that the world is going to get better. Like we keep being filled with such doom and gloom. And I feel like we had so much hope. And the one thing about us being in that community and the people, probably Brianna Taylor and, and people doing the work now is I feel like being bigger than ourselves, being of service, fighting to make the world better is the, for me, the biggest, for me, it was the biggest cure for depression. It was connection to my other humans. It wasn't connection at a bar. It wasn't connection at even just work. Like these are these are people that shared a hope in a better world, and it's so uplifting. And one of the reasons I struggled some with the community is there was a lot of anger and anti and like fight is good, but I believe that we can fight with love. I think that we can fight with solution-based activism instead of angry about what's wrong, really. What do you mean fighting amongst ourselves? You're talking about no, that. No, that too, but just the way we approach it. And to be honest, I got a little frustrated with the abolish the pol- or defund the police because I don't feel like that was the solution. I feel like it was insightful. Even if we would, what our intentions were was to put funds into into institutions and into organizations that would help rather than the police that that weren't helpful, you know, especially with race issues. But like rather than defund them, keep your freaking money, because a lot of times these cops are making like thirty thousand dollars a year and working, you know, all their holidays and overnight. Like I don't hate them. There are racist police and it, it was a whole system that needed to be overturned. And at the same time, I don't think defunding was the right language because then we continue to separate the left from the right rather than let's create organizations, let's create ways to fund people to call other than 911 and the police when it comes to a fight in the West End or a car that's doing something like stop calling the police for things that can be addressed elsewhere and abolish the ice too like if we as a country vote to lift all our borders then fine we do it we lift our borders but in my personal opinion, we need a pathway to citizenship. Somebody comes over here, you give them, you work, you either join the military or you work for like five years. We give you housing. We give you, um, we give you English classes. We, we teach you how to be, you either help us build our roads, help develop our country for five years. And we give you housing. We give you food. We give you education. And then after those five years, you're on probation for two years if you get in trouble. But then in seven years, you are a citizen of the United States. You're an, you've learned all the skills. You are welcome. Like pathway to citizenship rather than just abolish ICE. I feel like that again was insightful language. I love the left. I identify as a left and I still get really frustrated that I feel like a lot of times the left separate it's intentionally separative when and and right now we have serious issues with abortion with other things and it's like if a person if a person doesn't like a pronoun or whatever then they'll lean for the right because they're scared of of pissing people off by not using the word they and it's like I understand I I understand it, but then once they're on the right they're fed all the algorithms and all of the stuff that that side with the right, a.k.a. even abortion. Look at Trump was pro-choice his whole life. I mean, I, I cannot stand the man. And I feel like because he knew his base was right, he did everything for the right. And I feel like the more insightful the left is, the more we separate people out because the majority is Let's the take middle. A piece. Let's take a piece of what you talk, to, talk about. Okay. So Joe Biden got on Air Force One, flew over to Saudi Arabia, 
and and uh, you know, and like, uh, what did he do? Fist bump uh, Mohammed bin Salman or whatever to try to to beg them to increase oil production, right? Okay. Now, why the reason? Totally unnecessary. When Venezuela has plenty of oil, we have placed all kind of sanctions against Venezuela because we don't like their form of socialism. And so we've crushed their economy. There used to be sit-go stations all across the United States. Mm -hmm. Sit-go is Venezuelan oil. Mm -hmm. So uh, the common sense thing, instead of going to Saudi Arabia and then dropping to your knees before Mohammed bin Salman, the common sense thing is to call Maduro and and Benin and say, look, uh, uh, look, we're going to relax the sanctions. Sanctions. Get the get your. Uh, you know, we want get, to get away from fossil fuels, but we'd rather get it from you than uh, 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 other other places. You're closer. All right. So, and also, the reasons that the Venezuelan people are are voting with their feet and coming up here is not because oh, I love the United States. The United States is so great. We've crushed the the economy of Venezuela. That's why the Venezuelans are coming up here. It's not because it's like, oh, uh, I just want to be an American. No, no, no. We're crushing the, the economy, and people are voting with their feet. They're just trying to survive. So you have a, you know, a lot of unaccompanied uh, Venezuelan men coming up here to try to make a living. You know, so but the 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 the, the migration from Venezuela to here is the fault of the American <coughs> government policy. So I don't want to say it's our fault because I didn't make the policy. You didn't make the policy. Our tax dollars do. Right. And so we're, our politicians have created bad policy. And also, if you, if you look at the human talent and natural resources in Latin America, there's no reason that the Latin American countries should not be equal to Western Europe in economic power, uh, uh, and every other element of what we call civilization. The reason they have this, the United States has purposely and, develop, and, and deliberately retarded the progress of Latin America uh, for 200 years. That's been our policy to keep them weaker and not competitive vis-a-vis the United States. That's why we've always overthrown their, uh, you know, their progressive leaders and so on and so forth. If we would get off the neck of Venezuela, get off the neck of, of Latin America, let the countries develop, the people from those countries would not be migrating. They would have stable governments. The reason they don't have stable governments because we would overthrow a progressive leader and put in a dictator to be friendly to American corporations. No, the United States foreign and economic policy is the problem in Latin America. Uh, we are causing the foot. The, the, the migrations, we are causing it. Now, uh, and so until we accept that, we won't solve it. And the war on drugs is, is making the cartels richer. Uh, it's made, uh, you know, the drug trade a lifestyle for two, two generations. Uh, well, the drug war is just an excuse. It's a vessel to continue to exploit because everyone knows someone hooked on drugs. And so it's a real easy solution. And, and it's like a, a catchphrase for we're going to go fumigate these crops in this farmland to kill the coca. And really, they're just killing the vegetation because they want the people to leave so they can have more cattle ranches for a McDonald's. Like, we know this. That's not really the abolish the ice, but I 100% agree. Like, we abolished slavery in this country, and we just decided to enslave all of Latin America so that we can have our cheap resources, our cheap burgers, anything we want in a grocery store. Yeah, we 
we definitely do that. And I think we do need to acknowledge it. I'm not sure that that coincides with abolishing ICE. I do think we need to have the compassion of how this stuff started, for sure. Well, I'm just making the point is that it's the, mi- the massive migrations from from south to north are unnecessary. So what's the, the solution is education. It's stop oppressing them. So maybe that's the verbiage that we need. Instead of abolish ICE, let's let's go back to the source and not the Band-Aid of why they're being oppressed. And again, that's a bigger issue and it's harder to tackle. But I think we need solution-based campaigns, solution-based organizations. We come up with a solution and then we fight for that rather than just bitching about the problems. And so... Uh, uh so uh, uh, careful about using any profanity. Oh, yeah. complaining about the yes. problems. Right. Now, I'm just talking about on this show, uh, don't use too much profanity. Or so any. the B word is inappropriate. Uh, yeah, you know, walk the line. But uh, uh, so uh, but I should have told you before we started. So that, that's my fault. It's all good. <laughs> so, uh, folks, we've been here with uh, Angela Lynn. Good cut. R- yeah. R- and... Uh, Longtime community activist, and uh, uh, welcome. So glad to have you here. And anytime you're in Louisville, please come back and visit with us. Thank you. <laughs>